Welcome to the Treble Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Thompson, audiologist and founder of Treble Health. This podcast is supported by treblehealth.com, the nation's leading telehealth service for tinnitus and hearing loss treatment. Thank you for being here on our podcast and make sure to subscribe to get our newest episodes sent straight to you. Let's get ahead with today's episode. Everyone, welcome to the Tinnitus Relief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Thompson. Today, we're going to discuss the important decision that you may make along your tinnitus journey, the importance of significant others, your spouse, your family, in helping you through this journey, what they need to know, as well as how to improve any negative thoughts that might come about for tinnitus and preventing mental health crisis. Today, I'm here with Helen Price, who is a hearing therapist currently working at Aston University in the UK. Helen, please tell us what are these important early decisions in the tinnitus journey and what does someone with tinnitus need to know about them? Well, um, Ben, there's a number of different interventions obviously available for people with tinnitus and like all kind of chronic health conditions the thing that really helps people is to have some say in what happens to them and to have some control over the decisions that are made about their care and we know that on average that helps people in terms of both being engaged with the process of their treatment you know being more likely to undertake any treatment that's recommended by a clinician but also you know being able to be knowledgeable about what works now and what might work in the future because like a lot of chronic conditions it's you know as lives change there may be different interventions that work better for you at different stages of your life so it's important that people have kind of access to that really so what in particular what we were interested in is is looking at what helps people to weigh up the pros and cons of different interventions as well so that people can make kind of really informed choices that are right for them at the particular point in time that they're working with a clinician. I think this becomes most relevant when someone goes in to get their hearing tested. They go to their audiology or ear, nose and throat ENT clinic. We're often waiting for that appointment because as a patient, we believe that we're going to get answers and you should get answers from your doctor appointment. Once you have the hearing test and you have that conversation with the doctor, in our community, we know it can be very disappointing because the most common responses from the average doctor are going to be, there's nothing that I have for you in regards to tinnitus or sorry, there's no cure for tinnitus, but you can manage it or could try hearing aids. But all of those are not very directed. They're not very encouraging. And I think that leads to the first point here of what does someone do when they're in that situation mm-hmm. and what did your team uh, and what did your research find in regards to that important moment, that first conversation mm-hmm. about results and recommendations? I think that's such an important point, Ben, about, you know, hearing that kind of negative story. And of course, what a doctor's really saying when they're saying that is there is nothing medically wrong there's nothing medically we can do they're trying to say something positive and reassuring but often it isn't heard that way and often it sounds quite if we're not careful quite invalidating as well for people so it's almost as though you know people don't tend not to feel reassured when someone says there's nothing medically wrong or there's nothing medically that I can do about this they don't tend to feel reassured even though reassurance is often what's intended you know quite often people come away from that and their sort of thoughts are well maybe I'm not in the right place maybe there's something worse that they've not told me maybe you know there's there's more troubling things to this than I had first anticipated maybe it's not my ears it's to do with my brain maybe it's something more sinister so often it's a 
trigger for people to suddenly feel much more negative, actually, about their tinnitus, in my experience, and to be really concerned about it. There's some really simple and interesting studies on this, you know, in terms of if clinicians are able to work with people in a way that just says, I've come across this before. This is something we see all the time. And I can reassure you that it's definitely not life-threatening and it definitely doesn't mean this, this and this, you know, but, and there are things that can be done it gets better. It's a huge difference in terms of the response that people have to that kind of feedback. So simply having a slightly more positive kind of encounter can be really, really helpful. But I think, I mean, this is where things like this channel is so brilliant because if you've had one of those negative experiences and you come and you are doing your own research online, which most people are these days, then you will come across information and resources through medium like this as well, which is fantastic. And that's why I think this is of such enormous value because it's got the potential to reach people without the kind of gatekeeping element of being in a clinical you know, setting or anything like that. And for those who are listening, if you've ever heard that from your doctor after hearing the results of your hearing test, let us know in the comments because you're definitely not alone and that's completely valid experience. But I, you, you did bring up an important point here. We're not throwing the ENT doctor under the bus. We're not saying they're doing a bad job. We're saying that from their perspective, they work with medications and yeah. sur- surgery. So they're, they, they think it's a good thing. They say, hey, there's nothing very serious in terms of a surgery related to some physical cause to your tinnitus. The hearing test rules that out of the equation. And from their perspective, they're not recommending any sort of brain scan for you in that situation. Also, there is no medication that is directly working with tinnitus. If you have severe insomnia, if you have anxiety, if you have medical ear conditions, then medication could be at play. It could be part of your your treatment and your care. But that is the perspective of that doctor. It's, hey, there's no medication. There's no surgery. This can be a good thing because now we can focus on therapies and treatment. And we don't have to worry about these other more, in, more intense operations. But that's not the message that's received. And it can spike mm-hmm. this fight or flight emotional reaction and actually make the initial weeks and months of managing tinnitus worse. So instead of getting better and having some reductions mm-hmm. after that appointment, it spikes it and can make it more sustained, more anxiety, more fear. And let's now transition into, okay, let's imagine that the results are explained in a, in a fair way of uh, the doctor may say, here's what we found. You have a slight high pitch hearing loss in both ears. You have this tinnitus. There's nothing medically wrong that we found. However, there are treatments and therapies you could try. Here are a few options. What are your perspectives on, on that important decision of, okay, now I have some options. How do I, as an individual who's receiving the news, make my decision on what to do next? Well, I think I think the key thing is, first of all, I think that needs to happen at the right moment. And, you know, very often the first time we meet people clinically isn't necessarily the right moment because that we need to kind of build a relationship with them and we need to kind of really hear their story, actually, to really understand what it is that their values and preferences are around this. And that's something that I think is very much the job of, you know, of a skilled clinician to be able to listen 
to you well and to be able to identify through both the things you say directly but also the things you say indirectly so the things you emphasize the points you you know you allude to or things you stress what it is that's really troubling you what it is that is your priority in terms of your treatment and so on so our first place is usually to start really listening to people first and getting a good picture of what is going on for them in terms of how tinnitus is affecting them, because that helps us to kind of tailor or make more bespoke any sort of explanations that we have. So I know you already have watched some of these videos. I know you have some great explanations on here about what's going on. So I think, you know, this audience will know that it's, you know, tinnitus for most people is an exaggeration of a particular type of attentional focus um, in the auditory system. It's not a pathology in its own right. But you can only really be ready to talk about it in that way if you are reassured that it's not a pathology um, and that there isn't something really frightening under the surface. So especially if you've had that kind of initial response, you might need a bit of time with a clinician to really talk through everything that you're worried about and everything you know that is going on for you in terms of how the tinnitus impacts uh, on your life and then a good clinician I think will help you to be aware of the different treatment options that are available so again very much reinforcing the message that things can be done and that different things work for different people at different times that's the other thing to say so there isn't a kind of magic bullet single treatment that's going to kind of take tinnitus away for everybody and fix it that way but there are lots and lots and lots of really effective things that work for different people in different ways at different points in time and so it's important to kind of uh, look at those really and consider what those might be. This is an interruption from today's podcast episode to announce the winner of the weekly Sunday treble health giveaway. Every week we give away some of the most helpful tools to help you manage tinnitus and all you have to do to qualify to be a winner is to subscribe to our YouTube channel number one and number two go to treble.health slash giveaway Again, that's treble.health slash giveaway and put in your email address to join our email list. And with those two pieces of information, you'll be qualified to enter. This week's giveaway winner will receive a Sound Oasis BST100 sound machine. This device has almost 20 unique sounds that can be played for tinnitus, and it even has a computer chip that holds the sounds inside of the device. It does not rely on Bluetooth. This can help with your work from home station, your office, helping falling asleep at night. It has crickets, white noise, pink noise. Overall, it's a great product for sound therapy. So make sure you follow the link treble.health slash giveaway. It will be posted in the description of this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can qualify to win free tinnitus tools and sound therapy equipment. The results will be announced every Sunday during our weekly podcast episodes. This week's winner of the Sound Oasis is Donna T. Donna, congratulations. I hope this helps you. Now let's get back to the Tinnitus Relief Podcast. Let's get into the specifics about that because yeah. when I when I think about what is the first important decision, it's often what can I do to get relief now? And mm. after hearing those initial results, that's usually the time when hopefully some basic information is shared of, hey, you can use sound as a helpful aid. You can play certain sounds in your environment or through devices on your ears or around your ears, and that can help your brain reduce the perception of tinnitus. That's called sound therapy. 
The second piece is your stress and your hyper-focus on this tinnitus Mm -hmm. makes it worse. So try to have a low stress life and focus on good sleep and good overall well-being. I mean, those two things are essential at the beginning. And the first decision for the individual, I believe, is number one, did I receive that information? Because if I didn't, then it doesn't matter. But if I know those things are true, what am I going to do in the first days and weeks to actually uh, set myself up for success with this? And like you said earlier, the pros and cons. So uh, we think about the cost of doing something like that, the cost of money, the cost of our time. And then we think, and then we ask ourselves, is this proven? Do I trust this doctor? Do I trust this system? Is this actually going to work if I'm investing my money or my time into finding relief in these first days or weeks? I think that is so important because sometimes the mind tricks us into convincing ourselves that won't work. How can this work? I don't understand this. I'm just going to wait and do nothing and see what happens. That's true. And you know what? Waiting and doing nothing for some people may be exactly the right thing to do as well. So I don't want to kind of knock that because there are people for whom doing nothing is a fine option as well. So it's important to kind of keep that one on the table. But I think the one thing I would say before that is that I think what people what would benefit enormously and so our sort of typical practice is to listen to somebody's description about what's going on and then to provide a tailored bit of information about what tinnitus generation is and what tinnitus awareness is and what keeps the perception of tinnitus going for them and it may be specific circumstances and specific kind of you know factors that do that for that individual so it can be quite helpful to then sort of map and look at the pattern of what's keeping things going and then I mean I think I would be more agnostic in my approach to sound therapy I give sound therapy as an option alongside talking therapies information group support sometimes uh, some people and doing nothing I think is an option and we can talk about that and I think what we would do is weigh up the pros and cons of all of those and the thing that we developed in the UK but I think it's also being used a bit in the states certainly in all all sorts of countries Canada and and, uh, Australia are definitely using it and Denmark and uh, South America are using different countries there is the tinnitus care decision aid which we designed a few years back and that's just a a grand name for a single piece of A4 paper, basically, which has some evidence-based information weighing up the pros and cons of different types of intervention for tinnitus and different types of treatment. And it comes with an evidence summary so that you can critically assess for yourself the likely validity and likely underpinnings to the um, suggestions that are made on that uh, decision aid. But that we find for clinicians is an incredibly helpful way of synthesizing a lot of complex information into a straightforward format and uh, certainly uh, Uh, people with tinnitus say that they find it incredibly useful to have that information, especially if that comes relatively early on, actually, because that also then provides an idea that there is something that can be done, you know, and and, and multiple, multiple options, in fact, and each of of them have, uh, each of them are have pros and cons and some are very, some are very easy to start and some have more of a, uh, an investment in your time or your money or your energy. So that is important. Yeah. I want to take a deeper dive on that in a later episode, um, mm-hmm. decisions in the tinnitus journey. I think that's excellent. Uh, we also wanted to point on significant others and your spouse, your husband, your wife, 
how your family, how they can be important in these decisions as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they can make it easier to live with tinnitus. Sometimes they can make it harder to live with tinnitus. What did you and your team find about that? angle, Helen? Well, I mean, this is stuff we're working on at the moment. So we're really fairly early on this. But what is astonishing is how little we currently do know about that. So on the whole, what we know from other sources and other sort of health conditions is that the impact on the significant other can be enormous. So, I mean, basic things, but with tinnitus, if we're not sleeping at night, then the chances are it may just be not just be affecting us, it might be affecting the other person in the room, you know. So there are, you know, they're getting sleep disruption as a result of our sleep disruption. So there are things like that that are obvious and practical. In some cases, you know, obviously there's huge variation out there. So we find a lot of people who describe their their partners as absolutely marvellous, marvellously supportive, but would choose not to talk about tinnitus with their partners because they're concerned about the burden that it places on them. And they're mindful of the psychological burden on them of having an ongoing chronic, you know, topic, if you like, that's in their lives that they keep referring back to. And for others, you know, they're just people have found a way to provide that kind of support that enables people to go out and test out treatments, try out things, support them in making choices, you know. So there's a real kind of variation there. But there's undoubtedly something about the experience of tinnitus being very isolating and making you feel like you're the only one sometimes. And that can be a really big difficult element to this and sometimes having a partner who you know doesn't experience it firsthand makes you feel more alone or makes you turn more inwards um, in your sensation of it and experience of it so what we found especially around the work for instance we've done around tinnitus groups is that groups have had a great support mechanism for people not only because it helps the individual with tinnitus but because partners coming into the group get so much benefit out of hearing about other people's stories and that shared kind of reinforced validation about what it means what impact it has you know just for that one hour just as, this is the opportunity in the safe space if you like to kind of talk about it freely that can be incredibly powerful and liberating for people and incredibly useful for partners uh, totally to, agree. to and tap into as well yeah so totally anything agree. that kind we, of validates we, yeah we we have a group coaching program and every two weeks anyone who's working with us for care is invited and typically we have about 50 people every week and uh, on zoom here we have breakout rooms so we're able to say okay if you've had tinnitus for less than one year for example Let's, let's bring you into a room with your peers. Uh, if you've had tinnitus for more than one year, let's bring you into a room with your peers. If you have hyperacusis sound sensitivity, let's focus on that. And it's amazing what we're able to do with the convenience of telehealth in that model. But I wanted to share one specific thing that uh, recently in our group session, we had someone ask if anyone else had experienced that their spouse, their husband or their wife or their partner didn't fully believe them of what was going on in their, in, in their experience. They would say things like, you know, I know you say you have this, but how can we prove it? And it was, it was, that question was brought into the group and another member in our group said, Hey, never doubt that this is real. And that you're, we know that you're, we know that what you're going through is real and it's challenging. Look at everyone here in this room. Look at everyone here on this YouTube channel that's also here. So it's validating. And those moments are what make the group, the peer-to-peer -peer support so special. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I quite agree. And finally, something we wanted to address in this conversation is 
the importance of recognizing uh, negative thoughts, automatic negative thoughts about tinnitus. Mm -hmm. These can be overpowering. Practices like cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness, allow us to be aware of these thoughts and not be dominated by them. Now, we know this is much easier said than done, but there are tools and techniques to prevent mental health crisis. And for someone who's managing tinnitus, who's going through you know, severe levels of tinnitus, insomnia, trouble with sleep, high anxiety, high stress, anything we can do to regulate the central nervous system, to settle the mind and settle the body uh, is in our best interest. And Helen, I know we've had some discussion about this in your in your communities, in your professional communities, and working with patients in your area, how has this become important for you? Well, I think it's really key, but I think there's, I mean, there's a number of different ways. I mean, for for the vast majority of people we work with, having an explanation about what's going on to enable them to bring into their own kind of control, if you like, some of the skills and strategies that we discuss about how to shift attentional focus, how to be aware of negative feelings when they start to arise and, you know, and to control them at that point, to recognise them and acknowledge them and control them. Because really that's the key. I think the recognition for a lot of people is what is the big first and major piece of the jigsaw, if you like. You need to be aware of your own thoughts and feelings. And it sounds obvious to say that, but often we're not. Often the, the feelings kind of creep up on us and we're not aware that that's what's going on. So to be able to practice and get into the habit of identifying and noticing what's going on for us, noticing the reactions we're having to things, noticing the negative thoughts that lie behind the feeling that we're having at the time can be really, really important for most people. Most people can can manage that with relatively little input, actually. So some really good information, some strategies to work on suits most people. For some people where there are more severe underlying issues with depression and anxiety in particular, we're aware that for some of those individuals, they'll be really troubled by their tinnitus, but, but more by the underlying depressive thoughts that they're getting into. So actually, the tinnitus sort of becomes less of a significant issue in amongst the picture of kind of negative thinking and, and um, so on that that they're experiencing. And what we're trying to study at the moment and to learn about is to recognize where therapists can be really well placed to intervene for those individuals. Um, and ideally to work out for our kind of health system, if you like, at what point those individuals need to be referred into therapy, what kind of you know, therapy works and helps people um, at that point, um, and what will keep people safe when they're really, you know, troubled by uh, by negative thoughts, um, because we just don't know enough about those kind of mechanisms. So we we understand the principles around, you know, what will keep people safe and what will keep people well mentally, but we're not ever so good at being able to articulate exactly when and how we should be intervening at the moment. And that's where, you know, for us, I think as hearing therapists in the UK, that's a really important kind of missing bit of knowledge for us. So that's what we're we're trying to do some research on at the moment to get a better understanding about the relationship between depression and tinnitus, because they're really closely related. But there is all sorts of catch 22 still um, unconfirmed. You know, does depression cause the tinnitus? Does the tinnitus cause the depression? 
you know, what's the and how do you untangle them on the, you know, for the individual? Because in a way, the causality is useful to know from our point of view, but for the individual living with it in the moment, the kind of clinical challenge is, is you know, almost that's irrelevant. What do we do now? How do we now tease apart these um, components to help change the situation really and to meet people kind of where they are in terms of uh, needing to change so certainly that's that's something that is, is clinically of a lot of um, interest to us and that's that's one of the big areas of work that we're looking at at the moment there are tools there are resources so please everyone use the tools use the resources Absolutely. let your do- let your doctor know you're going through something challenging don't feel that no one wants or can help Absolutely. wants to or can help you and in the United States last year here, um, there was a new a new feature installed in, in all the phones that um, if you're having trouble with mental health crisis, you can dial 988 and that mm-hmm. gets you to a 24-hour support line where you can talk to someone who's able to help you calm your mind, settle your mind and just get get real about the facts and if necessary, can help connect you to, to a medical professional in your area. So really what this does is it saves lives. And if you're ever wow. in need, if you're ever you know on, on your wit's end, call 988 in the United States, if you're in the United States, and um, those professionals can help you. So that's another resource I want you to be aware of. Helen, thank you for joining us. Um, this is the Tinnitus Relief Podcast. You'll see above us on the screen here on YouTube, there's another podcast episode, which I think you'll really enjoy. And Helen, I wish you well in your research and hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Ben Thompson. If you have two minutes, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a five-star review on the Apple podcast platform for the Treble Health podcast. Thank you for your time. And if you need any services for tinnitus or hearing aids, please head over to treblehealth.com and our team of expert audiologists will be able to help you via telehealth. Have a great one and see you soon.